This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. Value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. The Chinese GDP data startled some market participants and some economic analysts and that sort of thing. But I don't know. I think that 6.2% for the second biggest economy in the world is rather splendid. If you can believe the data, of course, on the telephone now to go through the Chinese data and other matters as well is Michael Power, strategist at Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. 6.2%, Michael. But the issue ultimately isn't so much the exact uh, decimal point rather than the direction of the growth. Now, we were expecting a slowdown this year, and 6.2 for the second largest economy in the world is still not bad. It's still great, actually. Uh, I think the interesting thing is going to be what's going to happen in uh, U.S. growth in the next uh, couple of quarters. And uh, you probably have seen the GDP now figures from the Atlanta Fed, and we're now looking at 1.5% GDP growth in the United States. And I have to say a couple of data points in the last few days uh, would suggest that uh, things are not looking so good in the United States. Yes, the recession that many people have been predicting that might occur in the next 18 months to 24 months is a factor, but it's, it seems to be playing itself out quite, uh, well, I wouldn't say nicely, but it's starting to emerge as a real factor. How much of the Chinese slowdown is due to Mr. Trump's trade war? It's been going on for a year now. Can you believe it? One year of trade wars. Look, I think we have to understand that China itself wants to change the shape of its economy. So to some extent, it would have been reducing its exposure to export-led growth in any case and trying to reposition itself as an economy that is more driven by domestic consumption and less by foreign appetites. And I think that is beginning to happen. I mean, there's there's every evidence that the, the, the Chinese are changing in that regard. Their savings rates are, are inching downwards. Their, their consumption patterns are, are increasing. Uh, the concept of credit is, uh, is entering into the consumer's mind. Um, yes, they still save a lot, but uh, they're not afraid of using their credit cards if, if they have to. So I think that we are seeing a, a fundamental change in the Chinese economy. And I, I think that 6.2% growth is probably higher quality if it's more consumption-oriented than than 7% would be if it was more uh, export-oriented. Do you think that the Chinese authorities, the people that matter, are saying to themselves, we've been in a trade war situation now for one year with the United States of America, therefore we have to adapt just in case this carries on, so therefore they're changing their policies? Any evidence of that? Because the Chinese are very, very good, from what I understand, at being nimble despite the size of this economy. Nimble, yes, but also long-term in their thinking. And I think that, to be perfectly honest, uh, they accept whoever was in the White House or, indeed, uh, as we're seeing, whoever runs Congress, is that life is going to become tougher for the Chinese in terms of their trading relationship with the United States. I mean, some of the Democrats have been saying uh, that Trump, Trump's not doing enough. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, for one. So um, I think that the, the age of Chimerica is now over. And we are going to see a much more testy relationship between the two moving forward. China, in the meantime, I think is going to reduce its dependence on any tech which might be sourced out of the United States for which a royalty or some such is due, um, if that uh, tech can somehow be interrupted by a presidential order. Um, the reality is is that Huawei is moving very fast, for example, to finish its own uh, operating software for its smartphones by September this year. 
I heard one, and I have to say it is unsubstantiated, estimate that they'd hired 75,000 PhDs to finish the process. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that they'll have something ready by September. Um, they'll probably have to uh, issue lots of patches subsequent. But the reality is that by the end of this year, there won't be two but three operating systems in the world of cell phones, iOS for Apple, Android for pretty much everyone else, unless you're Chinese, when you'll probably have moved over to Huawei's operating system. And that's just an indicative of what the Chinese are going to do, reduce dependence on the technology of outsiders. Exactly what I was talking about, the nimbleness and their ability to immediately take a situation and say, okay, well, if this is a reality for the next year or so, or the next four years, whatever it is, let's do something about it. And they do so. They don't bogged down by bureaucracy. My iPhone is conking out, Michael. Should I be looking elsewhere? Look, um, a few months ago, I'd have probably said, uh, if you looked at Stuff magazine, uh, the UK's sort of techie uh, magazine, which tells you the best tech in the world, you should probably even go all the way over to Huawei. But I think that's probably premature now. I think you can probably wait one more time before you think about upgrading to a Chinese phone. Um, I would definitely, I have at the moment a Samsung and uh, I'm very happy with it. Um, as I was saying to you beforehand, all roads lead to, a, not to Rome these days, but to a cell phone. Yes. Um, and having something that is um, uh, truly versatile, and, and Samsung is amazing, um, it, you know, it beats uh, uh, pretty much everything that Apple can do. Apple is very much fantastic within its own ecosystem, but just uh, doesn't seem to swim when you take it out of that system. Um, and that's something which I think they've fallen behind uh, in all sorts of areas of tech at the moment. And I think uh, Samsung is desperate to keep up with Huawei, which uh, at the moment I believe that Samsung's R&D budget across all its areas yes. um, is uh, is greater than the whole of the Japanese electronics industry put together. That's extraordinary. We can't have a discussion about Chinese GDP without bringing in the United States of America. And we can't bring in the United States of America without talking about the stock market. And one of the pillars of the stock market has been the FANG stocks recently. And we had the first real meaningful side of a crack in the FANG revolution. And that was Netflix's results. I look at this and I say, this could be the start of something. What did you think when you saw those Netflix numbers losing 126,000 subscribers? Look, I absolutely agree with you. The interesting thing is that the really a hard part of those Netflix numbers was their, their international acquisition had slowed dramatically. So uh, a lot of Netflix growth in, uh, was said to be coming from um, abroad, um, and that has slowed down dramatically. Now, this is something which I think... Uh, even uh, the Fed governor has suddenly realized that the United States is not an island uh, and it will uh, ultimately be affected by what's happening in the rest of the world. And I do think the rest of the world is slowing down much more quickly than the United States. And this is going to slowly but surely feed through to the United States, either um, directly or via things like the earnings of, of Netflix. So, yes, I do think that the, the fangs, for, but for one other reason, uh, they're coming up against uh, a lot of antitrust um, angst, uh, both uh, in uh, Europe, where it's been for some time, but now even in the United States. So I think they've got their, their work cut out for them in the next, uh, next few months. 
I've always been of the opinion that a logistics company, a shipping company, is a very good indicator of future economic growth globally. And I'm at the moment in Rotterdam, and I walk across the Erasmus uh, Bruch, as they call it, the Erasmus Bridge, across the mighty Maas River. And I've been doing that for a couple of years now. And I've noticed that the barge traffic going under that bridge has slowed down recently. Maybe it's because it's the summer, I don't know. But if there is less stuff being shipped from Rotterdam to other parts of Europe and the world, then it tells me that things are starting to slow down. Do you get that feeling as well? Yes, I do. And I think that we're now starting to see results come through in the United States um, to reflect that in the railway companies, in the freight companies. Um, uh, that is something which I think uh, has always been almost the best leading indicator. CSX, which is probably the one which uh, we should look at most results a couple of nights ago, um, was so bad that the stock fell 10%. Uh, and I think that uh, one needs to read the uh, CEO's uh, report. He said he has never been more puzzled. And he's a famously good at delivering earnings growth CEO, probably one of the best in the United States. And his commentary was extraordinary. He said he's never seen a more puzzling market in, in, in his history as a, an executive. Mm. So I think that there are signs of, 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 of cracks beginning to come through. Um, and again, to some extent, I suppose the freight story will be connected to the trade story. Um, but I think that there are signs that um, uh, there's trouble ahead. You may have also seen that the New York Fed's uh, forward-looking indicator with regards to the probability of there being a recession in the next 12 months has jumped to 35%. Um, this is, uh, it never gets above 50, um, to be perfectly honest, because by the time we get to the 50, the, the, the recession is already there. So uh, we're 70% through that, uh, that process, and the line is almost vertically upwards at the moment. So I think uh, yes, we are likely to have a recession, um, uh, indeed, uh, tellingly, by the time of the next uh, presidential election in the United States. I wonder what the reaction of the Fed will be. Obviously, it'll be to introduce even more quantitative easing, having indicated there could be quantitative tightening this year. So the Fed will step in, do you not think? Yes, no, absolutely. I think we're probably set for a half point uh, not just a quarter point, but a half point cut at the end of this month. Um, I would also say the other thing that's worrying me probably even more uh, at the moment than what's happening in the United States is the growth of uh, those bonds that are negative yielding uh, in Europe. Um, this is spreading into 10% of the jump market. Czech, Poland, Hungary now have negative yielding bonds. Most of the club med countries have negative yielding bonds. 86% uh, of the Bund market is now negative yielding. Um, this is like a black hole from which uh, the light of no income uh, is radiating. And it's something which I think is uh, profoundly worrying and something which most economists or financiers can't seem to, to make head or tail of or, or give a decent explanation as to what are the consequences. Fascinating stuff. So many things to consider. Michael, thanks so much for that insight. You've given us so much to think about. Michael Power is a strategist at Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.